Hello, I'm Neve Brannigan, and a very warm welcome to the latest podcast from Irish Film London. In this episode, we're going to do something a little bit different, talking with two of the funniest women working in comedy, Roisin Connerty and Bridget Christie. But first, a quick word about our wonderful sponsors. Irish Film London podcasts are sponsored by our good friends at Elemental Media, a boutique digital agency based in Malvern, in the heart of Worcestershire. They're a one-stop shop for all things digital, from websites and videos to branding and social media. So, if your business needs some digital assistance, check them out at elementalmedia.co.uk. Right, back to Roisin and Bridget. Here at Irish Film London, we're always celebrating Irish creativity. And not just the people who live there, but the diaspora. Those who left in search of new lives, and the second and third generation Irish brought up around the world, but still connected to their mother country. And Irish women in particular are doing incredibly well, with the likes of Sharon Horgan and Ashling B, and second generation Irish comedians like Catherine Ryan and Joe Caulfield, all making waves around the world on stage and screen. So, as part of our 2019 Irish Film Festival London, we invited Roisin Connerty and Bridget Christie, two very funny women in the Irish diaspora, to join us for a fireside chat at Regent Street Cinema, hosted by our good mate, Cathy Cullen, from the award-winning podcast, Cinemile. If you were there, you'll already know how much fun it was. And if you weren't, well, stay tuned. Just a word of warning, Roisin and Bridget don't hold back and there's a bit of strong language here and there, so please be advised, especially if there's little ones in earshot. And now, let's go back in time to November 2019 and join Cathy Cullen and a packed audience at the Regent Street Cinema. Hi! Oh, thank you. Um, Thanks for coming. Uh, it's my total pleasure to speak to these two women tonight. Um, they're incredible. They're two of the top comedians in the UK, um, not just by female comedians, but comedians. Um, and it's um, fascinating to speak to second generation Irish people. I'm particularly interested because I have a toddler and a baby on the way who will both be second generation Irish. So I'm particularly interested in the topic. Um, so the first speaker is Roisin Connerty. She's a comedian, actor, and writer. Most recently, she created and stars in the smash hit Channel 4 sitcom Game Face. And The Guardian has hailed her as a genius comic who will fill the fleabag-shaped hole in your life, which is very high praise. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm an actress. Is that an acting job? Well, I'm not a bloody mermaid, am I, mate? I'm gonna provide you with a living. So, bro, I've been eating out to eat bread for 24 hours. I'm gluten intolerant, my chins are swelling. And Bridget Christie is a writer, comedian, and radio host. Her comedy special, Stand Up For Her, was the first stand-up special by a British female on Netflix, which was a huge deal. And The Guardian has listed her as one of the best comedians of the 21st century. So, I'm Bridget Christie. Uh, I'm a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I don't need to explain to you what a woman is. For goodness sake, you'll have have seen us, you know, out and about, you know, (laughs) shopping and crying and... Pointing at babies. <laughs> now, a woman's looks are very important, okay? They are crucial. In fact, a woman's looks are more important than anything she could ever think, say, do, or achieve. In fact, a woman's looks are so important uh, that women are often asked to give people a twirl so that she can be approved in 3D. <laughs> uh, so, Roisin and Bridget, please welcome them. They're on their way up to the stage. 
Hello. Hello. Obviously, you're two of the most successful comedians in the country. Uh, <laughs> you are. It's just quite funny because we're not doing a gig and it went to, to look out to see in the room not laughing when that yeah. sentence happens is quite yeah, something. Like, yeah, okay. It feels like a dream, yeah. doesn't it? Like a bad dream. Like you're really funny and people are like. <laughs> you just laugh at everything they say, even if it's serious. Um, and do you think or do you consider yourselves to have an Irish sense of humour or that that's influenced you in any way as a comedian? I mean, definitely me. I mean, apparently, my dad's sense of humour, which I think I've got, is very specific to where he's from. Oh. Which is Boyle? Boyle, apparently. <laughs> I like the fact well that when you get outside of Boyle, that like, the joke won't work here, mate. <laughs> no. You're not in Boyle anymore now, Christy. <laughs> Literally the outskirts, yeah. What are you on about? Um, so does he love Moon Boy, then? Oh, I, I don't think he will have seen that. Oh. No. <laughs> oh, I love Moon really Boy. It's great. Have you seen it? Uh, yeah, a bit. I loved yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. I think I've got an Irish sense of humour, I would say, in that um, I think this is, you know, these are just my opinions, but I think Irish people are good clowns as well. Like, I think we are very um, uh, good with, like, I would say this about you, but I think we use our faces quite a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Um, kind of, you know, and it, yeah. and it, and I think that adds to to it. I think they know how to tell a story and hold attention. Like my family, my mum's from twelve sisters. Yeah, and I think obviously growing up in a house like that, you've got to learn how to get heard. And so I think big families in Ireland, you need to. No one wants to hear your boring anecdote. Well, <laughs> my siblings wouldn't let me speak. <laughs> so if we would do. Like a, a play, we were always uh, creating our own entertainment and doing really dangerous things as well, like jump, <laughs> jumping off roofs and stuff. But we, um, we would put on plays and they would say, no, you be a tree, Bridgie, or a box. Because they thought I would get everything wrong. And then also when we were all talking about something, um, eight, eight people have already spoken. So yeah. no one really wants to know. <laughs> I think that's why I went into stand-up, to yeah. be honest. To be um, heard. Yeah, to be heard. And so we would sit around a fire and our dad would scare the shit out of us with ghost stories. Yeah. I'm a really anxious person because of it. And you were saying, Roisin, earlier while we were chatting outside that you know a lot of successful female comedians who have Irish heritage. Mm. So you think that's a bit of a theme? I think, um, well, just, you know, this, you know, it's not, a, I haven't done a scientific experiment, <laughs> but like I say, me, Bridge, Have you not? no, but I'm going to get involved. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Ryan's uh, parents are from Cork. There's quite a few, like quite a, a high percentage, I would mm -hmm. say, um, uh, of uh, sort of second generation, or, and also Ashley B and Sharon Horgan and stuff, you know, people who are 100% uh, from the island. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I think there is, I do think there is a, st I think Irish people are known for being funny and they're gross generalisations, obviously, but I do find Irish, like I went to Dublin once for a gig and by the time I got out of the taxi, the taxi driver was so funny that I'd lost all my confidence. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. they don't need me here. He was the funniest yeah. person I'd ever met. And I was literally like, this guy's got to shut the fuck up. He's like, he was just like, dr like you know, just dropping lines, dropping lines, dropping yeah. lines. And I was just like, got out of the car and I was like, why have I put this gig? Yeah. Like if their taxi drivers are doing this for free. <laughs> Yeah. So I think I have a... The crack. Yeah, and I think had. it's storytelling, I think. And I think there's a romanticism, I would say, that I've got from Ireland. I think I've got a sentimentality to my work that I I sort of have that. And I think that's... that's I'm not as um, wry as maybe, like... I think that's the thing I notice. Sometimes I'm like, I've got a much more sort of like... <gasps> 
sort of uh, dreamy sort optimism. Of, yeah, like, uh, mm. but an optimism sort of a melancholy optimism, I think, which yeah. Irish people sort of have. Yes. Like, it's a lovely day. It'll rain in an hour. <laughs> Roisin's acclaimed comedy Game Face catapulted her into the top tier of the TV comedy writers and hilariously mined her London Irish background. You know, the whole thing I think with Game Face was, you know, I wanted to feel like reality as much as possible, but have belly laughs. And that's always the hardest thing, you know, as comedians, we've, you know, we're always trying to get big laughs, but, you know, it can't be all chorus. And it's very different to do stand-up. There's a brutality and a crudeness to it that is lovely, which is smiles don't count, I don't think. Like, yeah. you've got to have them laughing, you know, yeah. making your ideas. And with TV, you get a chance to sometimes be like, you can go a bit longer without, you know, that sort of laughing. Sort I don't of know. I think it is really sad and, pro and profound and quite d deep. In a lot. Mm. But I think because it's so funny... You think, like, I'll watch it and I think, fuck, these are... Because comedians always analyse other people's <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, that's a fucking great line. So, like, I'll watch an another bit again. And I'm like, that's really... <laughs> It's really quite sad, actually, <laughs> but it's a really good line as well. well thanks, mate. That's the, you know that's the aim. You always want to try and you wanted to write something that people like. My rule is it can't be all chorus. You know, is it can't just be. I didn't want to make a show that was just like fun, like like a sitcom in there, lines, lines, lines. But then also, I didn't want to write something that didn't try. I'm a comedian. That's sort of my diagnosis. <laughs> like I always wanted to try and have <laughs> diagnosis. I've been diagnosed. There's no way out. Um, to try and have belly, you know, to try and have belly laughs. I wanted. I don't. Um, I don't see comedy as sort of the less than to drama. Mm -hmm. I think it's, there's a, there's a, I think if you can get a belly laugh in a scene that's a bit tender or so, you know, you, it feels like such a win. And, you know, sometimes you don't and you realise you get in the edit and you go, well, that didn't work. You know, you can't have both. It didn't mix. You know, yeah. it just felt like eggy. But the ones we kept and a couple of, you know, big belly laughs where it didn't feel, where it felt like, you know, you're still in a real world. That's yeah. hard. I think that's the hardest thing I found. And, you know, we didn't always achieve it, but there's a couple of moments in the show where I was like, oh, that's, that was really hard to get that right. And yeah. I was, you know, with the whole team, we got it. And so, yeah, I was pleased. Marcella, it's showtime. Do you mind not touching yourself up in a communal area, Marcella? You have a big face. It's very good for character stuff. Give me biscuits! Where did you think you would be in life now? Margarita's betrayed us. She's doing this out of love. I'm your hero. Here we go. Someone's following you. A killer. Admit it! You were with my husband. I think I'm pregnant. I just feel like I'm constantly trying to get things that don't want to get got. It's that keep going spirit that I'm deeply interested in. How does someone sustain that spirit when time after time life just lets her down? How old are you? I'm 19. Right. Bridget's solo show, Stand Up For Her, was the first special by a British female comedian to get picked up by Netflix. An outstanding achievement, although Bridget just took it in her stride. And did it you find hard. Bridget when you were filming your special that ended yes. up on Netflix? Netflix special. Uh, did you find that stressful knowing that it was to be filmed like initially obviously for the BBC and then that it went on Netflix? Did you feel like you had to be funnier than your average stand-up? Well, this is the thing about gigging pretty much every night for years and years is that I, I wasn't because it was a because because I haven't stopped gigging a lot for about 15 years now and in like the last sort of six years um, like I, I gig every I gig every week wow. and I think that if I hadn't then I would have been absolutely shitting myself like everything is on this and everything but I, I wasn't I was pretty relaxed actually and you'd won a shitload of awards <laughs> for that show well, <laughs> but I mean, she'd literally won all of the awards imagine you're like I don't know if it's any good yeah you do <laughs> no I didn't actually because that was assembled so it was bits from different shows you've won awards for all your shows <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but I 
Most women don't just turn around in circles all day long, getting dizzy and looking hopeful. No. They do lots of other things as well. For example, when Christine Lagarde isn't turning around in a circle, she's the head of the International Monetary Fund. Angela Merkel fills her time between turns by being the German Chancellor. Jane Torville is not a good example to use here. You're listening to our exclusive podcast with Roisin Connerty and Bridget Christie talking to Cathy Cullen about being second generation Irish in England and how that affected their life and work. Just a little reminder, Irish Film London podcasts are made possible with the support of our sponsors this week, the boutique digital agency Elemental Media. We love them so much, we got them to do our 10-year celebration film. Now, back to Roisin and Bridget. I know we discussed, obviously, like Irish humour and how that influences you, but there is a slightly darker side to Irish <coughs> culture. Um, you know, specifically, I know you've called out, um, Bridget, that, like, you've in your household it was like don't tell people your business and Roisin you've called out that like self-praise is no praise is something that your mother used to say to you do you find that kind of Irishness and I'm pretty sure we've all had it in our households the kind of tall poppy syndrome do you find that when you go to be a comedian and put yourself out there that that's sitting on your shoulder sometimes like don't push yourself out there I never had don't push yourself out there my mum's I think um my I would say you know there's a sort of and again I speak gross generalisation. I think there's a, there's a, obviously because of history violence, there's probably a bit of lack of, you know, with the sort of like telling everyone your business and that's kind of, there's a bit of like kind of keep yourself to yourself, you know, a little bit. But my mum's always been very encouraging, but I, and the self-praise is no praise. I don't mind, I sort of, um, in a world, I suppose, comparatively now where I think sometimes I'm going to probably get in trouble but you know sometimes kids are sort of like oh they they get so much and I know it's healthy to praise kids and stuff <laughs> and to give them all the but I think a bit of humility I don't mind you know who knows who I'd be without it so it's hard to but I I think it was uh, maybe it's a yeah it's a kind of I don't know if it's a bad or a good thing it yeah. just I it's um, you can go too far in any way of self-deprecating, but I think having a child, you know, if you come in and say, I'm brilliant, your mum's like, okay, that's enough of that. I think yeah. if it's, yeah, <laughs> I think if it's debilitating, yeah. then then there's a, a, a fine balance. Yeah. And I think manners and, and stuff like that were really big in our household, I don't know. And I think it was seen as quite unattractive to be too self-aggrandising. Yeah. Often second-generation Irish, like many other migrants, experience a kind of confusion about national identity, experiencing one cultural life at home and another out on the streets. How did Roisin and Bridget cope with the dual nationality? You know, it's a spicy subject, really, because if you, you know, some Irish people, you can never get it right. It's no. one of the, my family. If I said I'm English, my mum would run in it. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? And it'd be like, she's like, you're not English, you're Irish. I'm Irish. How could I have an English child? You know, <laughs> uh, <that's, laughs> she's like, it makes no sense. The child's kind of mad. She'd have that sort of, you know, she's very, my mum's one of those people that like, she likes seeing Irish names on, you know, like on a, you know, when the credits go. She's like, oh, Brian. <laughs> Christy. Like, yeah. She's, you know, she takes great pride in any Irish achievement yeah. um <laughs> but there you know you, i'm aware obviously that there is an irish you know people who live in born in ireland or irish you know so it's, but you get so go, you're english it's just an odd you just have to dance around it a bit so i just sort of say you know i'm i'm, I'm you know i'm a londoner but yeah. I'm, i i consider myself an irish parent you know but also 
because I grew up here. I didn't feel... My parents were like, okay, we live in England now, so they were really against making us go to like Irish dancing, even though they were in all the Irish uh, groups and clubs, and my mum was in the uh, Catholic Women's Society and all of that, and they did loads of stuff with the church mm. and everything, and my mum did loads of charity stuff, and that was all amazing, but they didn't want us to be like really, really Irish and go to Irish dancing and learn get and keep going on about that mm. all the time. They My mum did. Oh, did she? <laughs> yeah. So I think I, I think um I don't feel I, I, do, I do feel Irish because I've got Irish parents, but I don't Do you feel English? I feel both, That's I think. Interesting. Yeah. I feel Irish but a Londoner. Like I don't, it's odd, I, you know, I, I, you know, I do love England, you know, I've grow, been raised here, but I guess um, I, sp I spent so much time in Ireland as a child. Yeah. I think that's a difference. I think I literally didn't spend a day of any holiday on the street in London, <laughs> like not one day, like the second the school bell went, we were off, yeah. you know, like, um, and I just get dumped in a field. So I had... <laughs> You know, growing <laughs> so I had a very, and I think that sort of is my personality a bit sometimes. I sometimes work because I've got grew up in Camden on a council estate, and it was like colour and food and smell and punks, and you know, and then to go to Ireland in the 80s, they're like the shops next door, which was two miles, yeah. And I was like, what's wrong? Like, and Ireland in the 80s is so much different, oh, completely than different, Ireland yeah. Is now oh, yeah, completely yeah. different, you know, kind of, and it was the late 80s and stuff, you know, but. It was very peaceful, and it gave my that level of boredom from so much simulation. Um, made me very imaginative. <laughs> and I think having the two, I always felt, yeah, so I've always had that sort of dual, and I'd get the accent, I'd come back completely, my sister, not a bit of it. She'd come back, not like, and I'd be, <laughs> I'd be full Kerry Brogue. Let's give the last word to Roisin's Limerick mother. My mum, I asked her to do my accent, because my mum left Ireland at peak Irish accent. Um, <laughs> so her sisters don't sound as Irish as her. Oh. Um, and she, her sayings are probably really old school oh now, my and God, they've all like, moved on. Yeah, it's madness. Yeah. Um, but she, um, so she's, you know, I'm 40 years old. I was like, and she's a really good, like, she's one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. You'll never know what's going to come out of her mouth. It's pure jazz. Um, <laughs> and um, I went, well, do an impression of me. I'm a child. Surely you can do an impression <laughs> of me. Like, you, you know, this is like, and honestly, it's like... <laughs> It's like someone's just met someone from another country for the first time. <laughs> she goes like, oh, my lamb. Well, Shine. Like, she can't do even a vague impression of her own child's <laughs> voice, which I find fascinating. That sounds pretty... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's literally... But she's always like, you're an illusion. I'm sorry, that is exactly what you sound like. <laughs> Oh my god, I, uh, she's, she's brilliant. I hate to break yes. it. <laughs> oh. Richard and Roisin, thank you so much thank for talking so much. to us. Thank you. Uh, such thank a you pleasure. Very much. Thank you so much, lovely. What an evening. Thank you so much to our Irish sisters, Roisin and Bridget, and our host, Cathy, and of course to you for listening. If you've enjoyed, remember to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast from and check out irishfilmlondon.com, the home of our digital video portal, Irish Film From Home. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Simply search Irish Film London on Facebook and Twitter. And we can't leave without thanking our good friends and podcast sponsors, boutique digital agency, Elemental Media. The Irish Film London podcast is presented by me, Neve Brannigan. It was written and produced by Martin McNamara. 
Our executive producer is Kelly O'Connor. We're mixed and edited by Owen Bill Cliff. And our own theme music is by the impossibly talented Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again very soon. Thank you.